Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 22nd, 2008. And we're going to continue with our teaching on the doctrine of blood guilt or blood guiltiness. And um, we're just going to pick up with that. So we'll go from there. One can only tremble to think what is awaiting this nation to atone for the wholesale slaughter of our nameless sons and daughters in America. And by that, what they're saying here is that all of the aborted babies, they're calling them the nameless sons and daughters. Because there's just as much of a human as, as we are. It's just that they never saw you know, the light of day because they were slaughtered in the womb. This goes on to say, We must remember that God's justice, though delayed by human standard, is still inevitable. Consider the bloodshed perpetuated by King Manasseh. The Bible says he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. Though God's delay and final judgment was meant to bring Israel and this wicked king to repentance, it eventually came four kings later. So what was the reason for this final judgment? If we go to 2 Kings 4, or 24, verse 4. 2 Kings 24, verse 4. Okay, so this verse reads, And also for innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Okay, now, so this is a scriptural tenet we're looking at here. Um, it said that he filled Jerusalem, this town, Jerusalem, with innocent blood. How do you do that? Well, the best way to do it, if you're trying to accomplish that, which is really the most wicked thing you could try to accomplish in the Lord's eyes, I believe. I think you can scripturally prove that. The best way to accomplish that is child sacrifice. Which is really no different than abortion today. It's just like we've said before. In, in abortions done um, in past time, you know, they actually did it out in the open in, in this regard. Okay, through child sacrifice. Whereas, today it's done in the womb, in darkness, so it's more palatable for most people. And, you know, it's, it's the woman's choice, this type of deal. And it's not a choice, it's a child, is how we need to look at this. It's not something that you have the option. I mean, do you have the option of going out and blowing off your husband's head or, 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 or your wife's head? Because... You, because it was your choice? Well, yeah, you have that as a choice, I guess. We all have a, a choice to do right and to do wrong. But it's no different in God's eyes. In fact, it's probably worse. Because this is, this is an innocent little baby that can't protect itself. It's, it's more of an abomination to God because of that. I mean, if, if um, a man chooses to go out and get in a fight with another man and, and they duke it out to the death or whatever, I believe that's a whole different deal in God's eyes than just slaughtering an innocent baby that can't defend itself. That's why the Bible, you know, Jesus said it would be better if that person, if a millstone were hung about their neck and they'd be cast into the midst of the sea, then you'd, you offend one of these little ones that believe in me. That's what Jesus said about, you know... Um, just offending one of the little ones. And uh, there's all kind of positive connotations about children in the Bible. You know, that they're a heritage under the Lord, and, and you know, happy is the man that half a quiver full of them, and, and these types of things. It's always connected with blessing. And then there's all kind of warnings, you know, about these types of things. And it in America, and this goes with most of the world as well, we have filled not just one town, like Jerusalem, but we filled the world with innocent blood. Now, I have found from my own Christian walk that the Lord can punish you in two different ways. If you start sinning, sometimes I've, I've had this happen to me where He'll make you He'll make you miserable right off the bat. Okay? And then sometimes, it doesn't quite work that way. Sometimes, it's like you're storing up wrath. And, you know, like that expression, the chicken's coming home to roost, that type of thing. Sometimes, he'll let you store up wrath. 
And then you'll get it all at once, at the end. And that, to me, is a much worse way, because the judgment is always more severe in that way. You're not paying your debt as you go along. You're going to pay it all at once at the very end. After you've, It's almost like you stored up interest on it, on the, on the wrath. It's much more greater than, you want, than you'll be able to bear. I've, I've experienced both of those in my own Christian walk. And the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you're bastards, which, which is an illegitimate son. So if you're his kid, he's going to punish you. Sometimes it may not be apparent right away, though. So don't think just because you're getting away with something, and you know it's wrong from a biblical standpoint, and you know you're a born-again Christian, just don't, don't think you're still not going to reap what you sow, because we'll always still reap what we sow. I don't care if you're, if you're a born-again Christian or not. The concept of reaping and sowing is still there. You're still going to do it. If you plant a bad seed, you're still going to get bad fruit. Plant a good seed, you're going to get yield good fruit. So, um, when you fill the land with innocent blood, there's no other way that you could possibly defile the earth worse than that. The, 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 the second place to that would be the sodomy. But see, you're typically going to have both of these at the same time. If you have one, you're going to have the other, scripturally speaking. Uh, and in America, all you have to do is look, I mean, they just uh, legalized same-sex unions in California this week. And now all the homosexuals and sodomites are going out to uh, California to get married. Because what they're going to do, from what I've seen on the news, they're going to honor, you can go from other states now, go there and get married, and then go back to your own state. That's going to create a firestorm, I'm sure, but... You know, how they glorify homosexuality on TV and, and in the media is just sickening. I mean, sickening. I can't even conceive of what they do. That movie they had last year, Brokeback Mountain, did you hear about that? Two gay cowboys, and one guy was married, and, and, and I, from what I heard, I didn't watch it. You know that guy died, that Heath, uh, Heath Ledger? He played the main one. You know, and they portray it like some love story, like, oh, they're, they're in love, but he's got a family, wife and kids. You know, he won't leave his wife and kids to, to have, oh, that, that, that is so sick. I'm sorry, that's one thing I can't understand. I don't understand it. I'm not, I'm not meaning to condemn anybody in, in, in regard if they've been delivered from that type of thing, but I just don't understand it. And how they glorify it on TV is un believable. But see, that's how Satan has to work this thing. He's got to glorify sin. And I believe the two chief sins, particularly biblically speaking, that always bring God's severest wrath and judgment down on a nation are child sacrifice and homosexuality. Those are the two big ones. So, if we go further, it said this passage that we just quoted has to be one of the most saddest and scariest of all in Scripture. It proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will not be mocked. He will visit the iniquity of the land with punishment. Can you imagine when America's bill comes due? I mean, yeah, we're seeing a little bit now with the economy. That's nothing. That is absolutely, I believe, nothing compared to what we have coming. In this country. Now, I'm not saying God can't protect his remnant or his elect, but this is why we want to make sure we're right with the Lord. So when it does happen, um, you know, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth. That's what Jesus said to do regarding the end time. You know, to be accounted worthy. Now, the Bible also says, All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13. So it says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So that's also a guarantee. So again, let's have, we, need, we want to have biblical balance. It's not like I'm saying you're not going to suffer anything. But the more right you are with the Lord, no matter what, that's always going to benefit you in a very, very positive way. Uh, particularly in times of adversity. So, is this the heritage and legacy we desire to come upon our children? I don't really think it matters at this point whether we desire it or not. That 
all the reaping and sowing of all the innocent bloodshed, it's just not going to go away. I know I, I talked about some scriptural things last week that I believe that we could do possibly in prayer and these types of things, but um, that bill's going to come due, and I believe it's going to be soon. They, they go on to say, Can't we see how urgent God is calling the Church of America to repent of this abomination today and no longer wait for tomorrow? Now, could you imagine if all the churches in America that, that had any kind of pseudo-Christian affiliation, let's just group all them in there, if they actually really, really came against abortion and sodomy, the, the united collective strength, there's a lot of people we're talking about here. We're talking about a ton of people. The, the collective strength, let's say they got right with the Lord, and they went to prayer and fasting, and they repented. Abortion and sodomy could be stamped out within a very, very short period of time. Not because of man's efforts, but because, you know, if my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves and, you know, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's what I'm talking about, okay? It's not about what we're going to do. It's about, could you imagine what we could do? Now, it's not going to happen. Uh, collectively, from a majority type of standpoint, it's not going to happen. And I'm not saying that to be negative or get anybody down. It's just, the Bible said this, that God is going to send the strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned or receive not the love of the truth, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there will be a falling away, that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceive, deceived and being deceived. Um, but there's always a remnant. And even if the remnant, you know, did this, they can move mountains. It's just a matter of everybody, I, I really believe, getting on the same page. And I, I just don't believe this is being preached very much in America for the most part. So if we go further, we have no guarantee that God will accept our repentance tomorrow if we refuse to heed His voice today. That's true. Remember, there came a point where God refused to forgive the nation of Israel for child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. Well, where? Where did it do that? Well, let's just let's just go to a couple of these passages. Uh, I wasn't going to do this, but it, this is one of the first things God ever showed me. Let's just go to Jeremiah 7 first. As a, as a baby Christian, God, this is one of the things that the Lord showed me. Jeremiah 7. And I'm just going to hit a couple high points here. Just verse 1, it says, that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, um, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. Well, you could do that today. You could stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim this word, because it would be just about as applicable today, for the most part, as it was then. So it says, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judea, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. You could just... You could use the word, all ye Christians, today, because this, this applies to us. First thing he says in verse 4, really, is trust ye not in lying words. That's the problem that's happening today. These people are trusting in lying words. They're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're being taken by the philosophies of men, having itching ears, And my people love to have it so. That's what's happening. That's the problem. That's why Jesus always kept saying, Be not deceived regarding the end times. Trust not in lying words. Don't trust a hireling or a wolf in sheep's clothing. They can appear as ministers of righteousness, but they're not. By their fruits you shall know them. So then it says in verse 5, For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, that means repent, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor... See, judgment was very, very important to the Lord. It's always been very important to the Lord. Righteous judgment. That's what Jesus says. Judge righteous judgment. The only time you judge not lest you be judged is in a hypocritical way. And if you read that portion of scripture, it's in, it's in reference to a hypocrite that had a beam in, beam in his own eye and he was judging the speck in his brothers. That's when you don't judge. But he who is spiritual judgeth all things. The Bible is very clear on that. 
Verse 6, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. See, this is, this is again, one of these things. Contending for the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow. It's very important to the Lord. And shed not innocent blood in this place. I didn't even know that was going to be in there. But yeah, it's, it's shed not innocent blood. That's very, very important. Neither walk after other gods to your hurt. Verse 7, Then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave you, fathers forever and ever. That would be the reward, if they did those things. But, unfortunately, in verse 8 it says, Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Well, most most places in, in America, today, they're trusting in lying words. They may be getting a sermon of uh, syrupy love, but there's very little truth going out. If there was, why aren't they preaching on these types of topics like what we're talking about today? Now, I'm not making a blanket statement about every church in America. I'm just saying the vast majority. Will ye steal, murder, commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name. Well, that could be the typical church of today in America. Which is called by my name. And say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. This is exactly like 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Where the man had taken his father's wife to wed. And it talks about where... God was disgusted with them because it said your glory, essentially your glory and in your shame. And you're puffed up. And you think you're delivered essentially to do these abominations. Well, they, they thought that's the same thing right here. We're delivered to do all these abominations. Well, this is exactly like the Laodicean Church of Revelation 3 as well, which is the particularly the time frame we're living in that would describe the church. They're neither hot nor cold. But they're lukewarm. God's going to vomit them out of their mouth. They think they're rich and increased in goods and in need of nothing. But they can't even see that they're wretched, blind, weak, naked before the Lord. That's where it always ends up. We're delivered to do these abominations. Come not thou near me, I am, for I am holier than thou. I believe it talks about that in Isaiah 66. They get so delusional that they think they're delivered to do these abominations. The, the devil's very good at what he does. And he will blind your mind and your eyes, and, and you'll think that you're doing the Lord's service. And you're, and you're actually in Satan's service. Ever hear that rock group KISS? You know, they, they, I've heard the acronym for that means Knights in Satan's Service. Some say it's Kings in Satan's Service. At least they were honest about it. Yeah, they were in Satan's service. Yeah, but you know what? The, the crazy thing about it is, is most of the modern day church is in Satan's service. You're either for them or against them, right? Well, most of the church is in Satan's service. Their life, if you look at their life, what is their life benefiting? Is it, is it bringing people to the Lord? Is it bringing people to a knowledge of true truth? Particularly in the Word of God? Is there fruits of repentance in these types of things? Most of the time, if you look at the average Christian, their life is actually a life in Satan's service. Then it goes on in verse 11, it says, Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Pretty much, yeah. Just go to uh, Joel Osteen or uh, Benny Hinn or or any of these televangelists, if they're not a den of robbers, I don't know who is, TBN, most churches, they're hirelings that have no true love for the sheep. That's what the Bible says. Why is a hireling in for it? He's in it for the money. He's doing it for the hire. And when, you, when that's your motivation, whether you want to admit it or not, you ha you'll have no true love for the sheep. You'll preach whatever it takes to bring the money through the front door and to make sure you have a lot of happy sheeple people parishioners 
Now, I know I've been there. I'm not judging you. I've been there. I'm as guilty of, 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 of any, I'm not guilty of that anymore. Praise the Lord. That's why I believe the Bible does say, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you will be my children. You know, if you're in a church right now, where there's a hireling in the pulpit, some 501c3 corporation, where the pastor is the CEO, and the deacons are the board of directors, and that's how they'll designate it, the IRS will. They got its right to, to exist from the Internal Revenue Service that has all these worldly programs going on. They're not even reading the King James Bible. They're reading some perversion. Like an NIV that has 64,098 less words than a King James. If, if that's where you're at right now, you do need to get out of there. Wherefore, come out from among them and be not partakers of their plagues. Because the plagues are coming. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the typical, whatever, the, the typical uh, church setting. I, I don't want to really be, it's, it's like, um, <laughs> when judgment comes, it's going to be like a nuclear warhead probably. I don't want to be within the blast zone. I don't want to be partakers of their plagues. It doesn't mean I'm saying I think I'm so wonderful and perfect and better. I'm just talking about what does the Bible say. So it always gets to that point where, where a church or, or society, particularly the church, we're delivered to do these abominations because this particular portion of Scripture is to Judea. It's, it's, and it's in, it says it um, in verse... Um, Two, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. This is, this is something that should be... Could you imagine if all across America or in the world where we have these apostate churches, if like this particular teaching that I'm doing today, if this was actually proclaimed at the gates of all the Lord's houses, let's say in the doorway. Somebody stood in the doorway of all the Lord's... They call themselves churches. And proclaim this word you'd probably have to strap the people down in the pews so they wouldn't lynch who was ever taught speaking this. Or maybe they could just pipe this message in. And just force them. Force them. Strap them in and force them to listen to this. Oh, you're not supposed to do that, I know. You're not supposed to force anybody. God gives you free will. I'm just saying. Just so, just so that they can be, they'll be without excuse when they stand before the Lord. Totally without excuse, because they've heard this at least once. Because it's not, it's not being preached. It's not being taught anywhere, or, or very few places. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say anywhere. There's a lot of good preachers and pastors on this on this uh, email list that um, that have emailed me, and they're independent, unregistered, you know, King James only type churches. And a lot of them I, I wasn't aware of. And I tell you what, if, if you're in that boat, um, let me know who you are. Email me. And I need, to put, I need to put together some type of list. Because I have people email me all the time. Where can I go to church? What can I do? I don't really know what to tell them most of the time. Um, but... I, I would like to try to compile some type of list that we could put out to help people. Anyway, if we go further. So, is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? All you got to do is look at the normal church today to know they're a den of robbers and thieves. And they are hirelings and they're in it for the money, most of them. Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. See, you can't hide anything from God. He knows your heart. He can see right through everything. And then it says, <clears throat> But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did for that wickedness of my people in Israel. So he's telling them, he's like, you know, if you want to see what I did before, I'm warning you, he's, he's, he's warning them sternly here. Go look at Shiloh. 
And see what he did to wickedness. See, God always judges wickedness. He has to, because he's a holy God. Verse 13. And now because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not. See, all we, we are really without excuse because we do have a Bible. Back then, they didn't have you know, a printing press to make Bibles like we have today. You can go up to a dime store in America and literally buy Bibles for a King James Bible for a dollar a piece. The reason, you know why they're always King James? Because the NIV and every other version are copywritten. They're all co- they all have copyrights on them. The King James Bible doesn't have a copyright on it. It's the only one. And it's from a totally different line of Bibles, from the Textus Receptus, or the majority text, or the or the, the Byzantine text. It's a totally different lineage of Bible. All the other ones spawned essentially from the 1881 revised version of Westcott and Hort, who were two high-level occultists. And they all spawned from that version. All those Bibles are copywritten. Well, when they have a copyright on it, one of the main reasons they do that is so they can make more money. Because if they come out with a different version, different flavor of the week, then they can make more money because, wow, now I can go run to that Bible and, and buy it. I know, I've been there, done that too, <laughs> a long time ago. It's just kind of interesting, the King James Bible is the only one that doesn't have a copyright. So therefore, they can make a dollar Bible, a, a Bible that's a dollar, because they don't have to deal with a copyright thing, they don't have to pay somebody off, like they would if they tried to do an NIV, they can afford to actually produce whole Bibles for one dollar. It's an interesting point. So it says, um, So he, he, he spoke unto them early, but they heard not. And then he says, I called unto you, but ye answered not. They worshipped the Lord outwardly, but inwardly they were ravening wolves. They, they put on a good show, which is typical. In the average, you know, church in America, they put on a good show dress up in their Sunday's best and go there and live like the devil in between for the other six and a half days. Now again, I'm not saying this because I think I'm Mr. I've arrived and I'm so perfect or whatever. If I got what I deserved, I'd get death. The Bible says to consider the pit from whence thou was dug. I really try to consider that pit every day because I know I deserve death, if I got what I deserved. You know, Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I want to do, that I don't do. The things that I should do, that I don't do. Or the things that I shouldn't do, that I do. Now, that doesn't give us a license to sin. Should we sin that grace may be abound? You know, use not your liberty for an occasion under the flesh? We shouldn't, you know, but there's, there's scriptural balance we need to have here. But this is why, if we would consider these things every day, what does that... I mean, if you consider the pit from whence thou were dug, and, 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 oh, what a wretch of a man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death, what does that put in you toward the Lord? Humility. Because if you really feel that way about yourself, how could you be proud, particularly toward God? Now, you could, you could fake that as well, too, I guess. You could fake that. You could fake anything. I'm talking about really genuinely feeling that way about yourself. And again, I'm not trying to use myself as a standard. I'm just saying that's generally how I really feel. Um, the scripture is like a mirror. And, and most of the time when you read scripture, you're not going to like what you see. So... Anyway, going back to this. It appeared as though that the Lord had repeatedly chastened them, but it didn't matter because there was no repentance. So it wasn't like God just all of a sudden woke up one day and had never given them a second chance. They had had probably a thousand chances to repent or more. Verse 14, Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, now again, think about the modern day church, particularly in America, wherein ye trust, 
and unto the place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh, and I will cast you out of my sight. This is what's coming to America and, and the apostate church. I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim, your Ephraim. Therefore, pray not, pray not thou for this people. Wow. Pray not thou for this people? Huh. Neither lift up a cry nor prayer for them. This is, I really believe we're, we're pretty much here in America. I'm not saying don't pray. But I'm saying that there's a scriptural precedent here when you, when you stop praying. What is it? Well, from what I can identify in the Bible, according to Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah 14, 1 John chapter 5, where it talks about the sin unto death, 1 John chapter 5, and it says exact same thing there, very similar wording, where it says, pray not now for this people, if you see him commit a sin unto death. What I can identify in the Bible where it says, pray not thou for this person or this people, it seems to be always related to where, if, if you look at the portions of scripture I just mentioned, and this one we're reading, it always seems to be in relation to somebody or a nation or a group of people that are involved in collective, habitual, unrepentant sin over a long period of time, and God finally gets to a point where He's like, pray not now for them. Don't even pray for them anymore. I won't hear your prayer anymore. Now, when they cross that line, I don't know. That's between them and God. But you know, <laughs> you, you, you know that there's no way that the typical apostate church in America is going to repent. It's not going to happen. The Bible didn't predict it was going to happen. It said there was going to be a great falling away and strong delusion. And if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Turning away from sound doctrine. That's what it said was going to happen. Not the opposite. But it says, therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry, nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. They had already crossed the line. God's just proclaiming judgment here. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Jerusalem and in the streets of Jerusalem? So he's going to say, okay, this is why. Uh, we've already mentioned a lot of the reasons already why he's, the Lord's mad. Verse 18, the children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the Queen of Heaven. You know who the Queen of Heaven is? The Mary of the Catholic Church. That's one of the things they always call her, the Queen of Heaven. She's called by different names. The Lady of Medjugorje, the Fatima Vision. And you know what? A lot of those people get healed. I saw this disgusting thing on that Lord's over in France the other day. Oh yeah, there's been some genuine healings there. Just like there's some the seeming, seemingly genuine healings at Todd Bentley. And there's also genuine healings at New Age uh, gatherings. And Satanic Altar calls it rock concerts. Just because somebody gets healed doesn't mean it's of the Lord. If it's of the Lord and they get healed, it better line up with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, if it doesn't glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't really care who's getting healed. Because I choose to believe the Bible over some lying sign and wonder any day. Remember, the Bible says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. That's all Catholics do most of the time. Makes them feel real spiritual. Makes them feel like they're on the right track. Oh, somebody got healed. Therefore, they reason and ration... Uh, the rationale in their mind is that it has to be of God. Who's getting, who's getting the glory? Why would the Lord use the Catholic Church to go and, and heal? And would He do that so, he, that so that the people would get healed and they would stay in that false religion and ultimately end up dropping off into hell and then the lake of fire for eternity? The devil will heal people all day long if he, if he can get you to hell. 
and getting you to be a spokesperson for him. They showed this one lady at this Lord's thing in France, and she was, um, oh, she had this thing, it was called uh, tubercular peritonitis. Oh, it, it was, at least that's what they diagnosed her with. Real, real bad stuff. This, and it was, she was incredible pain. For years and years and years, they had pronounced her, you know, they gave her last rites like three or four times, which is also very incredibly unbiblical. It's one of the seven sacraments they have to believe that they have to get into heaven. But that still is not going to cover it because they still got to pay the price in purgatory. Why? Because they don't believe the blood of Jesus Christ covered it all. No, they don't believe that. They believe they've got to earn their way into heaven. It's an abomination in the sight of God. It's the largest pseudo-false Christian cult in the world. It's a cult. So, this lady, she gets, uh, they bring her to Lourdes, and they, they wheel her up there, and um, she's on a stretch. She can't even be in a wheelchair at this point. I mean, she's on, they, the, 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 her, her MD had told her, bring a coffin with you on this pilgrimage to Lourdes, because you're not going to make it. Well, she ends up going up there, and I'm trying to recall the whole story, but suffice it to say she got healed. Well, how do you explain that? You, you know, like I said, the devil, the devil's very good at what he does. He is going to come. The chief way he's going to deceive people, according to Revelation, according to the Bible, and even what Jesus said is he's going to come with all lying signs and wonders. He's going to deceive them by the miracles. All these people that are going up to Lakeland and all this stuff, we're going to talk more about Lakeland next. I just can't get off this subject. It's so flagrantly satanic what's going on. Let God be true and every man a liar. I've asked the Lord, I'm, I'm like, Lord, if, if I'm wrong about any of this, please forgive me. And judge me, rebuke me, chasten me. I've asked God, I've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to rebuke me, to chasten me, to judge me, now in this life, so that I speak not anything that I shouldn't be speaking. Not to say I've never uttered anything wrong on any of these broadcasts. I know I've messed up, particularly with some linguistics, verbal pronunciations of words and these types of things. And maybe there's some other things I've said, and I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm talking about what's going on up at, um, you know, like Todd Bentley in Lakeland. But if it's not of you, Lord Jesus Christ, if it's not, judge what's going on there now. Chasten those people that call themselves Christians. The ones that email me and say, I don't care what you say. I've been there and seen it. People getting healed. I could care less. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I don't want anything to do with it. I've been there, done it. I've been there, the whole Pentecostal, hyper-Pentecostal thing. I'm very, very qualified to render an opinion. I have been there. I have seen it. I get in arguments with Pentecostals and they'll say, well, they're, they're assuming that, they, that, that I've never been where they're at. I was radical. Because I equated that with zeal. Didn't make it right. But this, this verse 18 says, The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the Queen of Heaven. It's exactly what we have going on today in the Catholic Church. The Queen of Heaven. It's just a repackaged Queen of Heaven. They call her the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now Mary was a very blessed and is a very blessed woman. But she's in Heaven. She's not down here acting like some goddess deity deceiving the nations. That's not the true Mary that we're going to meet as born-again Christians when we get to heaven. We're not going to... That's not what we're going to be doing. This Mary is saying all kinds of things that are contradictory to the Word of God. I've got... There's a, there's a, a tape called 
messages from heaven, and it compares... Now, these are the official ones the Vatican has approved, these messages that are coming from her. And they always contradict the Bible. Huh. It's kind of funny. She says she's from God, and she's the mother of Jesus, and all these things, and yet she's saying, I am the co-redemptrix. You have to go through her to get to Jesus. Or you have to go through her and Jesus to get saved. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's just one mediator. You go through the Lord Jesus Christ to get to the Father. You don't go through Mary to get to Jesus to get the you know, it's just ridiculous. Chick Track has a very good uh, track entitled Why is Mary Crying? which explains this all in depth, too, that you could give to a Catholic. But people, when they deal with Catholics, they, they, they wonder why they can't get through to them. It's demonic. It's absolutely, totally demonic, what you're dealing with. And I'm telling you, the spirits that emanate and operate through the Catholic religion are very powerful. Unbelievably brainwashing. Incredibly demonic spirits. I wouldn't even advise doing it unless you pray and fast. If you're actually going to have interaction... Pray and fast. Jesus said that when the disciples, they couldn't cast out a certain type of spirit. Jesus said to them, this kind cometh out, not but by prayer and fasting. You had to pray and fast for this particular type of demonic entity to come out of the person. Well, we're no different day and time today. But you had to pray and fast for it to happen. Now, coincidentally, that verse, that verse is totally removed from the NIV. And I believe most of the other versions as well. They leave that one out. Totally leave it out. I'm talking, they, they skip the verse. It says, they pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. They're provoking God to anger. I, I don't want to provoke God to anger. Um, then it says, verse 19, do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to confusion of their own faces? See, God is not the author of confusion. But these people are confused. They go from one thing to the next to the next. And it's the same thing in the, in the, church, uh, uh, the, the Christian church in today's day and age. Particularly in the Pentecostal. And they just go from one thing to another. Oh, it's the new move of God. It's the new wine. God's doing a new thing. No, He's not. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. I changeth not. The same today, yesterday, and forever. Remember those verses? He doesn't change. The Bible says to seek ye the old paths, wherein is wisdom. In Isaiah. The old paths. Not this new path, this new wine, or whatever they want to call it. The new wave, the third wave, the emerging church. devil's the one that does that. Then it says, verse 20, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man, upon beast, upon the trees of the field, and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. I believe that's what's coming to America. I really do. And we're the source of so much of the corruption that's went on around the world. We're the chief producer of pornography worldwide. It's produced in this very narrow area in um, uh, outside of Los Angeles, where they might make like ninety percent of all pornography in the world. It's produced right there. It's like right over the San Andreas Fault, too, huh? Yeah. Can't imagine what the earthquake's going to be there. And then, if we go to verse twenty-four, but they hearken not, nor incline their ear, nor but walk in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. That's what they were walking in. That's exactly what the church is doing today. They're walking in the counsels and the imagination of their own evil heart. Oh no. That's not what society says or Hollywood. Just follow your heart. It'll never lead you wrong. Oh, is that so? 
Well, that's just why you want to always make sure you're, you're looking at the Word of God. Because the Word of God says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Jeremiah 17.9 He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28.26 There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 Proverbs 16.2 says All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. See, all the way, if we, we, yo, I look at myself and I think I'm a pretty good guy. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. That's why we don't want to even have any thought about what we think we are. How do we line up with the Word of God? That's the standard. That's the foundation. And if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Problem is, most people don't have proper foundation. They're not reading the Word of God. Or they could care less about it. Or they're just purely following some their pastor. Or their priest, or whatever. Their yogi, or their guru. Cursed be the... Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Better get into the Word of God. You trust in a man. You 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 don't you you despise the Word of God. Proverbs thirteen thirteen says, "Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed." If you despise the Word of God. You will be destroyed, it says. Most people are, just because they're reading a perversion. Oh, I don't like the King James Bible. Ooh, be careful. Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed. Now now you've gone too far. You're saying, I'm going to be destroyed because i got a false Bible version. I'm just saying, do you really want to push the envelope? Is this something you really want to tempt God on? Especially if you know the truth? Now, I have a King James defense packet I can email. You just email me. I'll, I'll email it to you. It goes all on the King James and, and talks about the NIV and the New King James Bible. Did you know the New King James has the triquetra symbol on the cover, which is the triple Wiccan goddess symbol? It's one of the main symbols used in witchcraft. It's wicked. It's a 666 intertwined. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. It is. I can prove it. But verse 24 says, But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in their counsels, and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. They backslid. They got worse. If you, God's never going to let you stay in one position. You're just not going to be the same old devil you were a year ago. You're either going to get worse, or you're going to get right with God and get better. You're either going to harden your heart even more, or you're going to repent and get saved. God won't just let you stay in one position. I mean, I, I really believe that's scriptural. You're either going to get more demon infested or you're going to get saved. Verse 26, Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined the ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. They did wor- I say we were doing worse than our fathers. Typically. Things, the things that are going on in America today, the church in the 50s and the 40s would have never allowed. They would have rose up and... and no, but we, we let it go today. Because evidently we're more holier than they. A lot of the arguments I get into people today, if you go back 50 years ago or 100 years ago, we wouldn't be having these same arguments. We wouldn't be having an argument about abortion if we go back 50 years ago. It wasn't even legalized at that point. The church knew it was an abomination. Even society knew it was an abomination, for the most part, other than the liberal feminists. And just those that are flat out evil. But today we get in big, great debates. It's not even a debatable subject, biblically. There's, you have no leg, you have no legs to stand on. 
If you want to try to argue abortion is a woman's right, you tell that to the little innocent baby in the womb. Yes, little innocent baby, your mommy, you know, she doesn't like you, and you're an inconvenience, and you need to go. Because that's her choice. How self-centered can you get? Now, I am not, if anybody's had an abortion in the past, I'm not coming down on you. God can forgive you for that. I believe that. The blood of Jesus Christ can cover, you know, all sin. I used to be pro-abortion. I grew up in an absolutely, totally, rabidly pro-abortion household. My mom still sends money to Planned Parenthood. Grieves me. But I despise abortion now. It's almost like, you ever hear about like these people that were smokers at one time, and then they stopped smoking, and now they're like, they're terrible, like, they can't even stand, they hate being around smoke. That's how I am now. I'm like, I can't even believe that I was so delusionally brainwashed, really by my mom, that I was thinking abortion was a good thing, growing up that way. That's all I ever knew. I've said this before, but I, when I get, I've never, I haven't had a, a, a dispute with my mom about it lately. Because whenever the subject comes up, I'm like, oh well, mom, um, aren't you glad I didn't abort Taylor, our granddaughter? How would you feel if I had aborted Taylor and she was dead? Oh, the argument stops. Stops dead cold. She don't even bring it up anymore because she knows she cannot argue with that type of logic. Just bring it home to them. You get into a, you get into a, a, an argument with one of these abortion act. You know what? Wouldn't how would you feel if your mother had aborted you, Mister Mrs. Pro Abortion? How would you feel about that? Would you like that? If you were snuffed out in the womb? Verse twenty-eight. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God. Well, this is, this is America. And a lot of other places, but... Nor receiveth correction. Oh, we don't want correction in America. No, uh-uh. We want our ears tickled. We want to feel good. We want to hear some sermonette snippet. And come out of there, you know, bluebird on our shoulders, zip de dee doo da Preach unto us smooth things. Prophesy unto us deceits. That's what the Bible says. That the false prophets did. They prophesied unto them deceits. If all these guys that call themselves prophets and apostles, particularly walk around in the charismatic and the Pentecostal movement, why is it that they aren't preaching true, biblical, get on your knees, get on your face, repentance, God's judgment is nigh, it's near, why aren't they preaching? If they're really hearing from God, why aren't they saying that? Now, I'm not saying that God couldn't talk through somebody, but I just don't see these guys preaching that very much. Some of them do, but yet those, those same guys tend to be off in, in left field in so many areas of doctrine. Biblical doctrine. They get wise in their own conceits. You, whatever you say, it better line up with the Word of God. And if you, give, if you give a prophecy, it better come to pass if you're of God, according to Deuteronomy 18. And if it's not, then you need to really check yourself, because the penalty for a false prophet in the Old Testament was death. Now, I'm not saying we go out and kill all the, the false prophets. My word, probably fill up a stadium with them. In America alone. And I've heard a lot of people, here's another thing I've heard, being in Pentecostal circles. Well, I'm not a prophet, but God told me. And you know how many times I've heard that? It's like they don't want to take the responsibility of being a prophet, but they're saying God told them this. Do you know how many false words I got when I was in that movement? Oh, Brother Johnson, God told me that you need to go here and do this and that, and you're going to be a mighty man of God and do mighty exploits and all these other things. And then they would tell me something specifically pointed to do, and I'd do it, and I'm like thinking, they didn't hear from God. <laughs> I know they didn't. It didn't come to pass. Bad, bad word, you know, about what they said they thought they heard. And then they go right on their merry way as though nothing happened. 
They go from one false prophecy to the next. As long as they're getting their ears tickled, they could care less. That's what they do. I've been there. It's like, don't you remember the false prophecy you gave last week? See, that's what got me out of this. That and the, the thing that got my eyes open was when I was when I realized that the King James Bible was the Word of God. I'm telling you, that opened my eyes. It's like all of a sudden now I could see. I start I'm look look around the church. I'm thinking this is unbiblical. This is unbiblical. Even according to an NIV, it's unbiblical. And I'm getting all these false prophecies. And the Bible says he, if he's a real prophet, it'll always come to pass. And there's no preaching of sin. And there's no chastening. And all these people are glorying in their shame. There's all this worldliness. And I'm thinking, ah, there's something seriously wrong here. But again, it's verse 28. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. They don't receive correction. Oh no. They don't receive no chastening of the Lord. Well, there's really not a lot of chastening of the Lord. Not yet. They're not his kids. They're not even saved. They're deluded. Not much. They glory in their shame. If you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. How can all these people that go to all these things, like up in Lakeland, Todd Bentley, and they're doing these abominable things, there's no chastening of God on them at all. None. And there's never been. And there's also no conscience of sin. It's as though they've had their conscience seared with a hot iron, as according to 1 Timothy 4.1. Remember, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils? Speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron? Yeah, that seems to be what I see more than anything. So there's no chastening and there's no conscience about the sin. They have been turned over to strong delusion. I really believe that. And once you have your conscience seared with a hot iron, I don't know how you get it unseared. I'm not saying the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that there's, there's no... That's between them and God. But I do believe, as this talks about in Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14, that there, there does come a point where God turns you over to a reprobate mind, and you're done. Pray not thou for this people. At that point, you know the only thing they're doing? The only thing they're doing at that point is storing up God's wrath. They're just storing it up. It's like a ticking time bomb. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every day. All this innocent blood crying out from the land in America. All the sodomy now that's, that's getting worse. You know, I heard Obama, if he gets into office, one of his first priorities is going to make sure there's same-sex marriage available to everyone in America. That's going to be the first thing he does. In fact, I'm sending out an email this week on that. If you want to get on my email list, just email me. And I'm Christian and the health list. Just indicate to me which one you want to be on. My email address is on my homepage. It's Sermon Audio. Yeah, that's one of the first things he's going to do. He's probably going to... I mean, the Illuminati is posturing. He's the, he's the one. McCain, they're saying, you know, already, he's not going to be able to... You can tell McCain is, just doesn't have it. He doesn't have what they need. And I've done a whole teaching on Obama that you can listen to. It's called The Spell and Deception of Barack Obama. Just put in Obama in my little search box, or any other topic you want to search for, put it in my little search box on my homepage, even if it's one word. And if I've talked on it, it'll, it'll come up there. So it says, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished. Remember, what did Jesus say? If you continue in my word... In my word. Then are ye my disciples indeed. It's, it's a matter of continuing in God's word. Not just reading God's word or saying some little easy believism prayer. Oh, bless God, I got saved. I can go live like the devil now. No, you didn't get saved. Remember, when you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. According to Galatians 2.20, you should be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I don't live, but Christ liveth within me. There should be a change, in other words. Fruit of the Spirit should be exemplified. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. These types of things we should see. Okay, evident. Chastening for sin. Conscience of sin. A desire for the things of God. Not to say you're going to walk around in sinless perfection. 
We should strive for perfection, but we're not going to attain perfection until we're with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. But it doesn't give us a license to sin either. But see, truth has perished in this land. People haven't continued in His Word. If you continue in My Word, then you're My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's how we get set free. From the truth of God's Word. It's also how you build faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Truth is perish and is cut off in their mouth. Um... Verse 29, Cut off thine hair, O Jerusalem, and cast it away, and take up lamentation on high places. For the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. At this point, he's telling them to do that, but it really wouldn't matter. Because his judgment was already set at that point. This is what we should be doing in America. We should be repenting before the Lord in sackcloth and ashes. And I mean that literally. I really do. I mean that literally. I did that once. I'm like, I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I don't know how to get, I want to get a hold of you any, the strongest way I can. The strongest way that I can. And I actually went and got ashes and, and got in a bathtub and threw ashes. I mean, I'm telling you, I was trying to get a hold of God like you wouldn't believe. I was so desperate to get a hold of God. I think I had burlap or something, sackcloth, ashes. I was trying to get a hold of the Lord. What, what is that doing? Is that, does that mean I think I'm... No, I don't think that at all. What is that doing before the Lord? That's humbling yourself before God. If you're willing to get serious with God, He'll get serious with you. You don't do it for a show or of a pretense. But, you. I mean, I'm talking, you know, there may be times when the Lord convicts you to do that. Nothing wrong with it. The kings did it in the Old Testament. David... They, remember, it talks about where they rent their garments and they went into sackcloth and ashes. and the, They were repenting and they were wanting to show God they were really meant business. I don't have a problem with stuff like that. I just don't. I, I just... So what, you're humbling yourself before the Lord. The Bible says, to this man will I look. To him that is of a contrite and a meek spirit and trembleth at my word. That's who God's going to look to. People that humble themselves before him. There's nothing wrong with that. Can you imagine if, if the collective remnant just did this alone? It'd be amazing. Verse 30, For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name. Well, today it would be called the church. They've set their abominations. We've done that today. And it's not even a church. It's a corporation. It's a 501c3 corporation that God has the right to exist by the Internal Revenue Service. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't bow the knee to God and bow the knee to Baal. Where does it say in the Bible to get yoked up with the government in order to have your right to exist as a church? Where does it? I just can't find the verse. Maybe I'm... Oh, it says obey the law of the land. Not if the law of the land contradicts the Bible. I've done whole teachings on this. It's an absolute tool that will be used. The, 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 the church is going to be... When, when, um, when Caesar calls in the chips, the government is going to require the churches, particularly of America, to get pony up and get with them. And they are going to be used with organizations like FEMA and Homeland Security in order to bring the sheeple people to the churches and mass vaccinate them, force vaccinate them. It's already on the books. The legislation's already there through Project BioShield, which President Bush signed into effect in his first term in office, I believe. I went into this on my avion flu presentation. I got a picture of him signing Project BioShield. Force vaccination and martial law under any emergency, real or imagined. It's only by the grace of God that he hasn't implemented that yet. All I can say is God's very long-suffering toward us. Because, you know, I, I, I'm amazed that we haven't went, went to this point already. But it's already there. It's already in the books. 
It's not a point of debate. People say, oh, no, I don't believe any of that. I could care less what you believe. It's governmentally documented, proven. Patriot Act 1 and 2, Project Bioshield. The Bush signed this. I'm going to be speaking up in um, Bellevue, Florida in the next couple weeks on June, July 7th. And um, we're going to be talking a lot about these things on population control and these types of things. But um, this stuff is already on the books. It's well documented. I'm not making this stuff up. It's there. And we deserve it. We deserve it in America. The wicked will always rule over a wicked nation. And when wickedness abounds, more wickedness is forthcoming. The Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 8, that the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. We have a lot of vile men exalted in this country. A lot of vile men. Vile and evil to the core. And the Bible says in that environment that the wicked are going to walk on every side. You kind of feel like wickedness is surrounding you and closing in on you. The Bible says it was going to be that way. I don't want it to get me down. I, you know what it does to me? It fires me up. Should I pray to God it does the same thing to you. Well, how could it fire me up? Because the Bible said it was going to happen. So, don't let it get you down. It's just confirming scripture. Just be salt and light. Reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. Be a watchman. Do whatever the Lord's calling you to do. So they have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophet. The word Tophet means burning. It's where they sacrifice children. Which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom. To burn their sons and their daughters in the fire. They were going one further than just aborting the babies in the womb. They were actually delivering the babies and burning them in the fire. I can't conceive of that. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand child sacrifice. I don't understand homosexuality. I just don't understand it. Not, not. This is just. I, I can't comprehend this. Why are you burning your son? I, but that's what they did. Then it says, "Which I commanded them not." But see, they believed they were delivered to do these abominations. It said it in, in uh, the verse that we had mentioned. In verse 10. They were delivered to do these things. They thought that they were doing God's service, probably. But this is the ultimate reason why God's judgment ultimately came down. Yes, they were making cakes to the Queen of Heaven. They'd done all these other things. But I'm telling you right now, when you get to the point where you're burning your sons in your fire, your sons and your daughters in the fire, You've, you've crossed the threshold there. You, you've got to a whole other level of abomination. And that's what they were doing. Now you can imagine, with America, probably, conservatively, 50 million abortions since Roe versus Wade. Probably way more than that, that were done and not reported. We're talking a lot more. I'm going to go ahead and, and end this part one here, or actually this is probably part four, and we're going to go ahead to part five next.